Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Good. I want to read from Matthew chapter 14. We're starting a new season, a new series tonight called Sustaining a Supernatural Lifestyle. And I think we, we do want to hear a whole lot of different voices, but I, I thought I would kick off in, in this it's not a totally new direction, but just a, a new emphasis on this thing tonight in terms of where we're going. So Matthew chapter 14, let me find my notes as well. That's helpful. And reading from verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus heard this, and what he heard was about the death of John the Baptist, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there, in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus says, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, That truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent round to all in that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might touch only the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So there is a supernatural lifestyle. That's a great supernatural. Are you here? It's quite dark out there, and you're very, very quiet. Are you still here? Okay, that's really good. 
I, I briefed Anne this morning that Hillside was not noted for giving verbal encouragement to their preachers, so she mustn't think we don't love her if we don't say anything, because we really do love her, we're just us. But it is really nice to have some response, just to know that you are still here occasionally. It's good, thank you. That's great. So here is this amazing chapter of miracles. It starts out with healing. Um, it carries on to feeding the 5,000. That's a really interesting miracle because where did the miracle actually take place? Jesus took the five loaves and however many fish in, in this one, two fish, five loaves and two fish, and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. That is not when the miracle happened. Because if you think there are 5,000 men 12 disciples, say in round terms, each disciple was going to feed about 500 people, all right, if you do the maths on that. If Jesus multiplied the food in his own hands, then they would have each have been carrying food enough for 500 people, which I think would have been impossible. So something happened in the disciples' hands as they went around sharing out this food. It multiplied, in the, which must have been quite an incredible experience for them. I don't know what that felt. I don't know what it looked like. But, but that is this amazing miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Then we get to the really cool one of Jesus walking on the water. That is, that's one of the most amazing of miracles. It's the best bit, and, and I don't know if you approve of the shack or disapprove of the shack, but it's the best bit in the movie where, where Jesus goes running over the water with, with this guy. It's, really, it's worth watching the movie just for that scene. It is, it's absolutely brilliant. And Peter wants to get involved. He's kind of been involved in multiplying this food. He wants to get involved. Jesus, call me to come to you. And he goes running across the water to Jesus, and then he starts to sink, and Jesus rebukes the littleness of his faith. Um, and then they get to the other side and Jesus just carries on healing people. That's seriously a supernatural lifestyle. We are called to a supernatural lifestyle. It is our destiny. It's who we are. It is, is what we're called to clothe ourselves in. I love that word from Graham, that, that it's not so much about becoming. This isn't something we become. This is something we just embrace because it's who he has already made us. And this isn't something you, you go to learn. It's something you start off, and in a sense you do learn it, but in another sense you actually embrace it and say, this is my identity, this is, this is my calling. So Mark 16, we have these signs shall follow those who believe, and we have speaking in tongues, we have casting out demons, we have... Handling snakes, we haven't gone too far with that one, but I'm, I'll leave that one on the side for now. And drinking poisonous substances, which we haven't pushed too hard on that one either, praise God. And then laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's, that's, that's a seriously supernatural lifestyle. In John 14, we have the famous verse that, He who believes in me, these works shall he do, and greater works than these, because I go to the Father. So we have the signs and we have the works, and actually this, as believers, is our inheritance. It's not for a special elite bunch of people. It's not for graduates from BSSM. It is actually for all of us. It is for all who 
believe in the name of Jesus. So we are called to salvation by believing in Jesus. And Bill Johnson makes this beautiful distinction that we are saved by believing in Jesus, but we enter into the miraculous realm by believing like Jesus. So Jesus' rebuke to Peter when, when, when he starts to sink is, O oh, you of little faith, why did you, uh, why did you doubt? So it says when, when he saw the, uh, the winds and he was beginning to be afraid and he began to sink, he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus says, why did you doubt? So Jesus is saying, I, the only basis on which I am walking on the water is faith. And you are walking on the water in exactly the same way as I am. It is purely because of faith. And if you begin to sink, it is a faith deficiency. So Jesus is saying to Peter, you have actually all the resources that I have. Every sign that Jesus performed, every work that he did, every miracle was not performed out of his deity. It was performed out of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him. There is no power that Jesus accessed. He laid aside his majesty he assumed a frail human uh, existence. He lived our life. But every sign, every wonder, every miracle performed was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And actually the same resources are available to you and are available to me. So we believe in Jesus to be saved and we believe like Jesus to start accessing the supernatural realm. You know that. We all know that, yeah? Good. That's easy. So here's, here's the question. How do we not just enter into the realm of the supernatural? How do we sustain it? We've all been to prophetic workshops where we learn to prophesy. Everyone, any, everybody been to one of those? at some stage, or you, you practice having words of knowledge for one another, and you step way out of your comfort zone, and by the end of the afternoon, you've, you've actually got one right. I, I usually get worse as those afternoons go on. I get less and less right the more I try. But, but, but you've, you've pushed the boundaries of the thing, and, and actually you're walking in a different realm. Chris, Chris Overstreet came... Um, 2000 and goodness knows 10, 2011, something like that. He, he did a school of supernatural evangelism, took us out on the streets. And, and I was out there on the beachfront talking to total strangers. And, and I don't do that. I was way outside my comfort zone. That's, that's really, really not me. Uh, Chris, and, and I didn't see anybody healed then. It was a bit disappointing. But I went to gym the Monday afterwards and, and there's this guy, and he's kind of looking a bit, bit down, and I say to him, and he wasn't a total stranger, I kind of knew him by sight. We were, we were grunting acquaintances. Have you got any people you grunt at? You know, there's that, that sort of, well, you know. But he was looking a bit down, and I, I said, how, you know, how are you? He said, no, I'm, I've, I've really got pain in my 
elbows, I think it was. I can't remember what it was. Shoulders, his shoulder. He pulled, he'd got some whatever strain in his shoulder. So I thought, well, here goes. And I, this is only one day out from, Chris has only left the day before, so the glow was still there kind of thing, you know. So, so I was like, well, could I pray for you? And he said, you what? This is in gym, which is not a normal conversation. So I said, could I pray for you? And he says, um, well, yeah, I suppose so. So I stuck my hand on his shoulder and I prayed for healing in Jesus' name. And he almost keeled over. He went, whoa, what was that? And I said, what was what? He said, no, that. What happened? What just happened? And then he picked up a weight and said, my shoulder is totally better. This is amazing. Someone else walks into the gym at that point and he turns to him and says, hey, have you got anything wrong with you because we're praying for people here? And it was... <laughs> And this other guy said, yeah, no, I know about that kind of sort of stuff. But, but here's my point. That was one day out from Chris Overstreet being there. It has never, ever, ever happened again. Ah. Oh. And, and we, can, we can go to the prophetic workshops. We can push ourselves. We can learn this stuff. We can do the exercises. But it feels like the sustaining of the thing is kind of really hard work. That the 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 progression beyond, yeah, I can do that. And 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 what makes it even harder is is where we do have victories. Those victories kind of become commonplace to us. So so for example, in the realm of healing, which is probably one where I've got more, more track record. You kind of, when, when you first hear of God using people to, to heal someone, you think, wow, that's amazing. I would really love God to use me to heal someone. Is there anybody here who's never been instrumental in God bringing healing to someone? As we can sort that out. So like, okay, one or two. Yeah, we can, we, but for most of us, we've kind of been there. But when you first hear of it, you think that is, you read the books, you know, this person and, and this is what happened. And you think that is absolutely amazing. That is just so amazing. Bill Johnson tells the story of being in a meeting and he's sitting with John and Carol Arnott and some lady is giving a testimony about how she's just been prayed for and before she was prayed, her pain was at a level seven, and now it's at a level five. And she's really grateful to God. And Bill Johnson is going, yeah, cool, whatever, kind of thing. And John and Carol are not, are leaping up and down saying, praise God, that's amazing, that's wonderful, isn't God good, isn't he awesome? And Bill feels like a dirty, wretched, cynical sinner. Because the wonder of God doing even a little thing has been lost for him. And, and this, this is part of the peril of the supernatural, that it actually becomes commonplace. And we get used to this stuff. So I have, I mean, we, we, we have a, a story, even today a testimony has come through. Um, someone in the church who came, came to one of our healing sessions, I believed, a lady had had fairly severe cancer, has now been cancer-free for, for how many months is it? 
for five months. And, and supposed to be dead a year ago. We prayed for her. She's now been cancer-free for five. That is amazing. You know? But, but, you, but you will have forgotten about that in ten minutes. Because it becomes commonplace. And anybody else know what I'm talking about here? You know, we, we have... What else do we have? We had a guy, I don't know if he's here tonight, was prayed for, healed of Coxsackie virus to the point of going for a blood test and the test comes back absolutely zip there. That was like two, three weeks ago, John. Is that right? Okay. That is amazing. But none of you are going to go home and write to all your relatives about that because you've got used to it. And it's kind of what we expect. That's, that's our story. Someone else in the church, their father was given literally two months to live, told him, they were praying for him, he's a hardened atheist, um, goes for a second scan and there's nothing there. And he's now just been out on holiday. He booked a holiday to come say goodbye to his family. He's now just took the holiday, came to see them. God is, God is so good. But, but we become used to hearing these stories. It becomes part of our norm. And, 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 and because it becomes part of our norm, it is less exciting. It is less motivating. It is less gripping. So how do we sustain a supernatural lifestyle? How do you sustain any lifestyle? How do you sustain a healthy lifestyle? Well, you eat right and you go to CrossFit. Is that right, Graham? That's what you do. That's how you sustain a healthy lifestyle. You eat the right kind of food and you go to gym. But it gets boring after a while, doesn't it? Never. Jill, Jill and I, there's no momentum employees here, are there? No, that's all right. Jill and I have our annual healthy heart checkup tomorrow to leap through momentum's loops. And in order to pass that, we have been on an absolutely oil, fat-free diet for one week. This is horrible. And I, I want to tell you, it's, it's, it's not only a low-carb diet, you can actually lose weight on a low-fat diet as well. It actually really does work. So we're going to leap through their hoop tomorrow, um, and then we'll go out and have bacon and eggs for breakfast to celebrate. <laughs> because this, this stuff kind of be, gets to be hard work. And if you lose the motivation to be healthy, then the drive to eat right, the drive to gym right, it kind of gets tiresome after a while. There's a story told of a couple um, and the wife made the husband eat right. And, and for 10 years, she had him on boiled vegetables. Uh, and that was pretty well his diet. And, and he was very miserable. Um, but they, he ate this diet for 10 years. And then, then they both died and they go to heaven. Eventually, well, they lived 10 years longer than they would have done otherwise anyway. So they get to heaven. And there in heaven is this wedding banquet spread out with piles of succulent joints and amazing cakes and, and the most decadent food imaginable, and they're invited to tuck in. And the husband turns to the wife and says, we could have been here 10 years ago. He says to like that. 
And you see, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. After a while, you discover that in praying for people to be healed, there is no Disney moment. There's no twinkle, twinkle heart music and fairy dust that gathers around and a strange pink glow and wow, God is, God is doing something. Usually praying for healing is like, did anything happen? No, I don't think, did you think anything happened? Not really sure. Did you feel anything? Okay, well, let's, let's, let's pray a bit. That's kind of what it looks like. And when someone does get healed, it's like, are you sure? You know, you're not just making it up. And it's, it's, it's like the, the magic isn't there in this thing. It's actually hard work. I've watched John Simmons pushing into this thing. And in the midst of family crises of all sorts of stuff going on in his life, he has pushed into this healing thing. And it's been a price that he's paid. And it's been amazing. And John doesn't walk around with fairy dust. It's not, it's not what it looks like. It is hard work. I've watched my wife set out to pray for people in ICU in the hospital. I'm thinking, there she goes again. And, and I'm not quite sure why she's going. Um, but I admire her hugely that she goes, you know, and it is, it's hard work, this stuff. It is hard work. Does Superman get a kick out of being able to fly, do you think? Do you reckon he does, definitely? Or is it just what he does? Did Jesus get a kick out of walking on water? So, ooh, look at me. I didn't know I could do this. <laughs> Let's try this again. <laughs> do you think he did? Or was he super cool? No. This is just what I do. <laughs> I think we kind of imagine that the supernatural, even the very the word supernatural carries a, a, a wow thing with it, doesn't it? I mean, how did Bethel get a thousand people to register in their school every year, apart from it being called School of Supernatural Ministry? If it were a school of ministry, they'd probably get a hundred. That's true, but it's the School of Supernatural Ministry. So there's this magnetic factor. We are drawn to this thing because somehow we imagine that there is... A, a, a reward built. It's, it's an ama- I will feel incredible when God uses me in supernatural ministry. And you may do, but not sustainably so. I think that's my point tonight. Can, can you, in the midst of silliness, can you hear what I'm saying? If we are in this for the kicks, it ain't going to last very long. And, and, you know, the first time you go to gym or the first that you've, you've been to gym for whatever and you've developed a muscle that you never knew you had. Okay, that, that's cool. But, but it doesn't carry on like that. There is, there is another motivation that's required. There's something deeper that happens to be there. There is no intrinsic, at least in gym, if you're running whatever, you get some dopamine and stuff. In... in in ministering to people, in, in, 
in doing supernatural works, there's no dopamine in it. There's no, there's no release in this thing. There's nothing, nothing that, that, that rewards intrinsically. So here is my key for us tonight. And the key is really in verse 14, Matthew 14, 14, which says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. I think Jesus did, excuse me, Jesus did what Jesus did, not because he got kicks out of it, but because he had compassion. And, and here's, here's the profound point for tonight is simply this, that we get saved by believing in Jesus. We enter into a supernatural realm by believing like Jesus, but we sustain a supernatural lifestyle by loving like Jesus. And if we don't love, if we don't learn to love like Jesus, then this thing ain't going to last because it becomes too much like hard work. So here's Jesus. It says, He withdrew from there to a desolate place by himself. Why did he withdraw? He withdrew because he'd heard that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. And we don't go in, that's a whole other story you could have a bit of fun with, but we won't. But John the Baptist had been beheaded. John the Baptist was Jesus' ministry forerunner. He was the one who was preparing the way, and now it's you. Your, this, this is your lap of the relay, Jesus. The baton is now firmly in your hand, and you know where this is going. And this is the end. He is the last old covenant prophet. This is the end of the old, and now it's the new. This, this is such a, a loaded moment in Jesus' life. And he's processing the emotional weight of this thing. You know, Jesus has to process the same emotions that you and I do. If you've been following along in the book of Hebrews, you remember chapter 3 or 4 or whatever, it says he was tempted in every way as we are. Which means that every emotion that you have felt, Jesus has also felt and has had to process. So Jesus was also discouraged, possibly frightened, possibly anxious, possibly whatever. All this stuff came at him and he had to process it. So here he is having a little Jesus time. This is his personal space. Goes away in a boat. I don't know if he got some of the disciples to Rome because they seem to be there as well. Um, but he goes to this desolate place because he has legitimate reason to be on his own. And when he gets there, yippee, it's crowd time. We've come to surprise you. Hey, hey, it's us. And it says, when he saw them, he had compassion on them. And compassion can look like having your boundaries busted. It really, really can look like that. And I don't think compassion is about being a boundaryless person. I don't think it's about being that kind of person that everybody gets to ride roughshod over. It's not about being a doormat, but it is about allowing your space deliberately to be invaded. It is about making that decision. It is about Jesus saying, actually, 
I was going to have Jesus time, but I'm going to have healing the sick time again because I have compassion on these people. And out of that compassion flows this supernatural lifestyle. And it's not just compassion. I think compassion is an easy thing in one sense, but it's, it's more than that. It's compassion with guts to it. You know, we can have compassion which says, I'm so sorry to hear your news. And that is compassionate. And it can be helpful to know that people are feeling your pain. But the compassion of Jesus wants to do something about it. And, and, and this is the kind of compassion. See, you, you can have safe compassion. Safe compassion basically says shame. It puts the arm around. It says, I feel for you. You must be hurting. I can't imagine what it feels like. Blah, 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 blah. That is compassion that is safe because it doesn't actually cost too much at the end of the day. But Jesus' compassion says, actually, here's a whole pile of sick people, and that is not good enough. I need to do something about that. It's compassion which wants to change the world. You know, the kingdom of God comes in compassion. It comes in justice. And, and, and justice is about putting to right what is wrong. And cancer is unjust. And systemic poverty is unjust. And tragic loss of life is unjust. And the kingdom of heaven comes to put right what is wrong. And the compassion of Jesus that will drive us into a supernatural lifestyle is a compassion which says, but this isn't right. We have to change this. And we have learnt to only tackle what is possible. And when we only tackle what is possible, we never get into the realm of a supernatural lifestyle. But there's something of the indignation of heaven which says, I don't know how we can change this, but it's got to be changed. That's the point at which something of a supernatural lifestyle becomes sustainable for us because it's driven not by the tingly experience of God using me, it's driven by the determination that the kingdom of heaven is here to change the world around us. And I'm going to be part of that. Is this a good message? So we're going to have a supernatural lifestyle together. The kingdom comes for justice. So a supernatural lifestyle starts with looking at the world and saying, no, this is wrong. Um, at our uh, Heaven in Business conference, Tommy DeShell came down. Who was, who was there for that? Just so I know who I'm talking to. Okay, very few of you. So Tommy DeShell is the son of a pastor, Tom DeShell, who has been pastoring in Harare since early 80s, I think, or even probably before that, late 70s. Um, he came as a missionary from the States. He thought Rhodesia was an island off the east coasts of the States somewhere, and then then dis discovered it was a country in Africa, which kind of changed his perspective a bit. He arrived just as everybody was going in the other direction. But they've built an amazing ministry, an amazing church there. But there is something of a spirit about them that defies reason. 
There's something of this supernatural lifestyle that is very embedded into what they've done there. So they got to one phase in the sad history of Zimbabwe when medicines were pretty well unobtainable in the country. So as a church, they, they got together and they said, well, that's all right, we'll, we'll supply medicines to the country. So what? Come again? No, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Do what, how will you do that? You know, the government has totally failed to be a supplier of medicine. How are you going? I don't know, but we'll do it. And I don't know what that looked like, but they, they set out as a church to become a major importer and supplier of medical requirements to the nation. And you think, okay, well, that's impossible. No, it's supernatural. That's, that's when we break out of just practicing prophetic words for one another into a truly supernatural lifestyle. What is, what's the pain of Hillcrest? What's the pain of our community? And we, we, we don't like to ask that question because the answers are all too big for us. We like, we like to deal with problems that are manageable. We like to tackle things that we feel we could reasonably hope to have a satisfactory solution for. But I think a supernatural lifestyle starts when we start to ask questions that have answers that scare us. So what is the pain of the city of Durban? What's the pain? It's crime, it's poverty, it's hunger, it's child abuse, it's lack of education, it's lack of jobs. It's a thousand things. And we say, actually, God, here we are. And it's kind of, we, 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 it's easier to stay within our fence boundaries and, and, and do whatever, but something of a supernatural lifestyle depends on us venturing out into an unsafe world. Because that's when God really does have to come through for us. So moving in power carries no intrinsic reward, but moving in the love of Christ is amazing. And we learn what it's like to allow the love of Jesus to flow through us. Then that is something very special. That is something that is worth risking everything for. So just, just in summary, we're saved by believing in Jesus. We move in power by believing like Jesus. But we enter into a supernatural lifestyle by loving like Jesus. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray that we would have the courage to allow Jesus to love through us. Because that's, that's, that's all I'm asking tonight. Will you allow him to have an adventure with you? Will you allow him to love somebody through you? I went to gym again the other day. I've been in between as well, but I went there the other day. And there was me and one other lady in the gym. That's the two of us. And she was on a bicycle and she was having a very loud conversation on her cell phone. And, and I could not help overhearing 
every, everything that she was saying to this person at the other end. And basically the story was, it was, oh dear, but he's not very old, is he? He's not old yet, really. And he mustn't give up. And when will they find out? And, and it was obviously not good news that she was processing and dealing with. And, and the story went on at some considerable length in a loud voice. And, and as I was listening to this, I thought, what, what, what do I do with this? And I felt God say, no, you must, you must pray for this guy. Whoever it is who's sick, you must, you must pray for this person. So, okay, well, how do I set about that? So I kind of, the conversation ended and I was doing this and that around the gym and whatever. And I, in the end, I found myself um, almost by mistake fairly close to this lady. So I, I said to her, um, so what's his name? And she said, what? No, the, the person you were talking about on the phone. Said, oh, I don't know. She said, what? No, he's, he's, he's the father of a friend of mine, she says. So I said, um, are, are you a believer? Could we, could we pray for him? I said, oh, oh, well, that would be very nice. So we stopped there and we said a prayer for this guy. And I said, please, please let me know how, what happens. I've never seen her since. <laughs> so this isn't a story with a great testimony, but it is a story. Here's the story. Now here's, here's, here's my point. It is about allowing Jesus to love people through you. And all she said was, oh, that's very nice. But that's important, eh? That is amazingly important. That's very nice. So are you ready to allow Jesus to love somebody through you? Even if that busts some of your boundaries? Sometimes. So why don't you stand up if that's you. If, you, if you're stubborn and self-contained, you can say sitting down. All right. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we are ashamed at the quality and the depth of the love that you have for people. We are embarrassed at our own poverty. We're embarrassed at our self-absorption. But tonight we want to give you liberty to invade our space. We want to give you liberty to invade our lives. We want to give you liberty to love people through us. We want to give you liberty to present us with other people's insuperable problems. We want to give you liberty to show us boats struggling out at sea. I want to give you liberty to bring people across our paths with serious sicknesses. I want to give you liberty to bring us hungry people who we can't just fob off with a sandwich and an apple. Because we want to know what it is for your love to flow through us. We want to position ourselves tonight to be engrossed in a truly supernatural lifestyle. Lord, let your compassion grip our hearts. Let it overwhelm us. Let it become something incredibly powerful in our lives. Because your kingdom comes with justice. Your kingdom comes with freedom for people. Your kingdom comes as good news. And we want to be part of that. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.